drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. God is so very good. It's going to be a great show today. Today is the day we give out, or we begin the process of giving out, four uh, free copies of the audiobook, The Fellowship of the Rings, narrated by Andy Serkis, the actor who played Gollum, or Smeagol. And uh, to celebrate that, we're going to have a conversation with Joseph Pierce at 35 past the hour about the Catholic faith of J.R.R. Tolkien. Is that Catholic faith the lens through which to see the Lord of the Rings? Is the very fabric of that world that he created so many years ago now, uh, is it a Catholic world? We're going to ask that question uh, and many more with Joseph Pierce at 35 past the hour. Lots of stories that are concerning us that we're going to be discussing at 15 past the hour. Of course, yesterday we reported, as well as many other people, that uh, the Pope uh, you know, made some comments about the large, a large media, Catholic media outlet that criticized him and it, it's the work of the devil. I want to jump into that story a little bit today and the what's concerning us. And then, of course, uh, there is uh, was some news yesterday coming out of Guadalajara, Mexico, about the suppression of the TLM and the TLM communities there. We're going to talk about that a little bit as well as other stories. Apple is looking to uh, read your mind through your devices uh, with uh, finding out whether or not you are depressed or or you have other tendencies. Uh, is this a violation of, of privacy? A, l- a lot of people think so. I think I'm in that category. We may jump into that. There's a lot of stories to jump into. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. Also special today, if you are able to join us in our after show, which is only on the social media feed starting at 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern, we're going to have Mark Oz Geist on. Now, he was there in Benghazi on September the 11th, 2012, when the ambassador was murdered. He helped to, uh, to defend the CIA and the State Department officials uh, from the attack of the militants there in Benghazi. We're going to remember Benghazi, the 9-11 there. We're also going to talk about his work to help rescue Americans in Afghanistan and his work at the uh, uh, to help with uh, military contractors. You know, we, we focus a lot on veterans, praise be to God, but a lot of these military contractors are also dealing with things like PTSD and depression and others. So we're going to talk about his Shadow Warrior Project as well. All of that's coming up today. It's going to be a jam-packed show. Uh, looking forward to it. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Do you remember 9-11-2012? How old were you then? Uh, yes. It wasn't that long ago. We ta- 2012. Yeah, not uh, long ago. You mean 2001? No, 2012. Then, uh, yes, I, I was graduating from high school that year. So you remember not the Benghazi? I don't. You don't remember Benghazi? No. I was so busy graduating from high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess you're going you're gonna to hear the story from uh, Oz himself today. Um, and it's a pretty harrowing tale, to be sure. So I'm looking forward to that coming up. Speaking of uh, things coming up, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, Adrian. I thought you were going to say, speaking of harrowing tales. Um, but I suppose With not. Mark at 730, you mean? You mean Adrian. Because um, I have many harrowing tales. Mm, like, one time, mm-hmm, I got up in the middle mm-hmm. of the night to walk to the restroom, and I stubbed my toe. Uh, and that was harrowing? It was pretty harrowing, man. It was um, uh, it was pretty crazy. Okay. Did I, your nail lift up? 
<laughs> no, this no, conversation has taken a turn. For <laughs> there we go. But no, when in 2012, I was um, in eighth grade. Praise be to God. So I don't, I don't know anything going on in the world in eighth grade. Nothing. Nothing. You were uh, totally unaware. My entire worldview consisted of uh, whatever books were in front of me and whatever TV show was on. That's wild. Yeah, there well, you go. Praise be to God. Oh, and football. And football. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I'm inspired by Mark's story, so I'm looking forward to talking to him today. But again, Joseph Pierce at 35 past the hour to talk about Lord of the Rings. And today is the day we give out those downloads, so you got to make sure you're on our email list if you would like a chance to win one of four free audio downloads of the Fellowship of the Rings narrated by Andy Serkis, nearly 23 hours long. It's a great work, and uh, we're looking forward to giving those away tonight. I'll be sending an email out, so make sure you're on that list. You can do so by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray and jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for this morning. From LifeSite News, Texas governor signs bill banning abortion-inducing drugs after seven weeks of pregnancy. Senate Bill 4 is effective as of December 2nd, 2021. Violation of the bill could lead up to $10,000 fine or up to two years in prison. From LifeSite News, Canadian alternative media outlet Wholehearted Media released a video through its Instagram channels laying, laying out the human rights danger that could rise from the implementation of vaccine passports. According to the video, vaccine passports could literally lead to rivers of blood. The, end quote, the video shows that the history that the Soviet com- communists used as a us versus them mentality to divide people. This video concluded that vaccine passports create the threat of a new segregated society. From Catholic Vote, a Canadian provincial government enacted Aurelian-like emergency powers in the name of fighting COVID that allows for officials to detain or remove people without a warrant and seize personal property at will. Under new health orders, the Canadian minister may do the following, quote, authorize the en- entry into a building or any land without warrant by any person in the course of implementing an emergency plan, end quote. The government is also afforded the power to, quote, cause the evacuation of persons and the removal of persons or livestock and personal property from any area, end quote. From Catholic Vote, Texas Governor Abbott called on President Biden to declare a federal emergency at the U.S.-Mexican border to stem an overwhelming surge of illegal immigrants. Abbott noted that the number of migrants increased from 4,000 in September 15 to 16,000 in just the past three days. 
From LifeSite News, Senator Tom Cotton told a gathering of Federalist Society that he believes the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade, the only thing standing in the way of justices doing the right thing is the intense social pressures of liberal elites, Cotton said. Now is a time for for true friends of the Constitution to speak up. On December 1st, the Supreme Court will hear arguments in the Dobbs case, which examines the constitutionality of the Mississippi's law banning abortion after 15 weeks. From Catholic Vote, pro-life centers in Texas are serving more women in the with the heartbeat law in effect. Quote, I think the need for our type of facility and mission is even greater now because thank God there's going to be more babies born. And because of that, there's a need for more ongoing support. In quote, said Randy Bowling, the director of the Loretto House in Denton, Texas. And lastly, from Catholic Vote, parents have pulled 1.4 million children from traditional public schools during COVID-19. Many have opted instead for private or charter schools. The National Alliance for Public Charter Schools revealed that charter school enrollment saw a 7.1% uh, percent growth during the 2020 to 2021 school year. The percentage of families who have also increased the number in homeschooling this past year went from 5.4% to 11% during the pandemic. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. The saint of the day is a favorite. Saint Padre Pio, my confirmation saint, actually. He was born on the 25th of May, 1887, in Petroclina, Benvenito, Italy, as Francesco Forgioni. He was born to a southern Italian farm family and the son of Grazio, a shepherd. At the age of 15, he entered the novitiate of the Capuchin Friars in Morcone, Italy, and joined the order at the age of 19. He suffered several health problems, and at the and at one point, his family thought he had tuberculosis. And I believe he did have tuberculosis. He was ordained at the age of 22 on the 10th of uh, August, 1910. While praying before a cross, he received the stigmata on the 20th of September, 1918. The first priest ever to be so blessed. As the word, as word spread, especially after American soldiers brought home stories of Padre Pio following World War II, the priest himself became a point of pilgrimage for both the pious and the curious. He would hear confessions by the hour, and reportedly he was able to read the conscience of those who held back. Reportedly able to bilocate, levitate, and heal by touch. He founded the House for the Relief of Suffering in 1956, a hospital that served 60,000 people a year. And in the 1920s, he started a series of prayer groups that continue today with over 400,000 members worldwide. His canonization miracle involved the cure of Matteo Pio Colella at the age of seven, the son of a doctor who works in the House of Relief of Suffering. In the hospital in San Giovanni Rotunda, founded by Padre Pio, and on the night of the 20th of June 2000, Matteo was admitted to the intensive care unit of the hospital with meningitis. By morning, the doctors had lost hope for him as nine of the boy's internal organs have ceased to give signs of life. That night, during a prayer vigil attended by Matteo's mother and some Capuchin friars of Padre Pio's monastery, the child's condition improved suddenly. 
When he awoke from the coma, Mateo said that he had seen an elderly man with a white beard and a long brown habit who said to him, Don't worry, you will soon be cured. The miracle was approved by the congregation and Pope John Paul II on the 20th of December, 2001. He died on the 23rd of September, 1968 in San Giovanni Rotunda Foggia, Italy, of natural causes. He was canonized on the 16th of June, 2002 by Pope John Paul II in Rome, Italy. Saint Padre Pio, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was greatly perplexed because some were saying, John has been raised from the dead. Others were saying, Elijah has appeared. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. But Herod said, John I beheaded. Who then is this about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom pointed out the fear that he saw in Herod's words. The fear brewing in his, in his, uh, in his person um, that becomes manifest in his anxious behavior. Chrysostom said, For sinners fear both when they know and when they are ignorant. They are afraid of shadows, or are suspicious about everything, and are alarmed at the slightest noise. Such, in truth, is sin. When no one blames or finds fault, it betrays a man. When no one accuses, it condemns, and makes the offender timid and backward. Isn't this true about living in a state of sin? The, more, uh, the further we go, living in this state, the dimmer we get. The further away from from grace itself, or we separate ourselves from grace through sin. And as a result, we see the symptoms in our behaviors. We see the symptoms in our life, in our anxieties, and in our behavior. I like that from Chrysostom. It's very insightful. Hadock, though, really dives into the differences in the resurrection, the belief of the resurrection. The Pharisees believed that when a person died, they would go into a subterraneous place, and either for good or bad, there they would stay. No getting out of it. Sometimes, though, a good soul might come back, be, but be joined with another person. That's why Herod seemed to think John the Baptist was resurrected in the person of Jesus the Christ. However, Hadok would go on to say most of the Jews believe the true doctrine of the resurrection, that the body which m- must one day be renewed to life by the same soul which now animates it, and this is the doctrine of faith and of the church which he teaches you from both the Old and New Testaments. Thank you, Haydock. All right, praise be to God. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We're going to have a What's Concerning Us section. Lots of stories to dive into. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you know any Lord of the Rings fans? Well, you could possibly win one of four free downloads of the brand new audiobook narrated by Gollum. Andy Circus himself. I don't think the riders will want to be bothered with me now. Though, of course, the king did say that I was to sit by him when he came to his house and tell him all about the Shire. Yes, said Aragorn. And your road lies with him, I think, Merry. But do not look for mirth at the end. If you would like to try to win one of four free copies, downloads of this nearly 23-hour-long production by Andy Serkis, make sure to tune in to our interview with Joseph Pierce on Thursday at 6.30 a.m. Central, and then sign up to our email list on our website. But for myself and any that will go with me, 
I, for one, cried Legolas. And Gimli with him. You must be on our email list. Sign up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Keeping you informed and inspired, praise be to God. The Lord of the Rings. Is it like every other fantasy fiction? Is it unique? Is it set apart? We're going to ask some of those questions to Joseph Pierce at 35 past the hour. Is Tolkien's Catholic faith truly the lens through which to properly understand and see the Lord of the Rings? Is the Catholic faith the fabric of the Lord of the Rings fantasy universe? That's the question we're going to be asking coming up at 35 past the hour, which also means we're giving away stuff today. Uh, we're going to be giving away four free downloads of the Fellowship of the Ring narrated by Andy Serkis, who played Smeagol or Gollum in the films. So that's going to be a big deal. You do need to be on our website and on rather on our email list if you would like the opportunity to win one of four copies. No purchases are necessary for any anything. We're just giving stuff away because why not? It's kind of fun. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT insider email link. You can click that. You'll be able to sign up. It only takes a moment. Or you pull out your cell phone and you text the letters GRN to the number 42828 that's text the letters grn to the to the number 42828 and you can sign up that way as well all right praise be to god in all things we are going to uh dive into some stories here uh, of what's concerning us first i want to jump into a story that was out yesterday we reported on Janice had it in her news. I think we uh, we didn't really touch on it in the What's Concerning Us with Eric Sammons yesterday. But, of course, uh, it's been everywhere now. The Pope, in his conversations with the Jesuits in Slovakia, made a comment that everybody seems to be commenting on. Uh, I'm looking at CatholicCulture.org right now, it's, but it's it's been literally <laughs> reported in many, many outlets. But uh, here is the headline, Pope Rips, e- EWTN. Uh, air quotes, work of the devil, September the 21st, 2021. Pope Francis has lashed out at the Eternal Word Television Network, EWTN, saying, quote, they are the work of the devil. Uh, During a meeting with Jesuits in Slovakia, the pontiff spoke of a, quote, a large Catholic television channel that has no hesitation in continually speaking ill of the Pope, unquote. Although he did not name the network, the reference clearly was to EWTN. Quote, I personally deserve attacks and insults because I am a sinner, unquote. The pontiff said, he goes on to say, quote, but the church does not deserve them, unquote. Now, I, this I find interesting. One, he does not name EWTN, but there have been some people closely related to the story who have come out apparently anonymously, allegedly, and said he is referring to EWTN, which is why everybody's going with EWTN on this. But again, His Holiness didn't say EWTN, but the, the reference, the inference is there. Now, what, what I find fascinating about this is a couple of things. Uh, number one, 
he's referring to Raymond Arroyo and the World Over Live program. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to envision in your mind a pie chart, all right? A circle pie chart. The sliver, okay, the sliver of the pie of EWTN programming, there's just one tiny little sliver, one hour per week is all you get of Raymond Rorio and the World Over Live show. One hour per week. That's it. That's all you get. In the giant sliver, however many hours per week there are, 24 times 7, you get one of Raymond Arroyo. And I would challenge you to find any other program on the television network, EW10 television network, where anybody is being critical of Pope Francis or his pontificate, other than that one tiny sliver. So just in an order of proportion, it seems rather strange to to call out an entire network as, quote, the work of the devil, unquote, if it's not, it doesn't really seem to pass the smell test from a proportionality statement. Number two, is it okay to criticize the Pope sometimes? I think we often have um, conflated these issues with what the Pope's role is in the church and his person and some of the things he does personally. We act as though uh, one, one can't, like, in, well, he, he says right here, he personally deserves them because he's a sinner, he says, but the church does not deserve them. So, in other words, the person and the church are so united that one can't criticize one and not the other. Is that the case? Well, I was reminded this morning when meditating upon this about Isabel of Spain. Now, Isabel of Spain, she, uh, she was a fantastic woman. I personally love Warren Carroll's take on Isabel of Spain. I know some historians, some other writers aren't as a big a fan of Isabel of Spain, but um, I don't share their opinion. Isabel of Spain was a rock star. She helped to reconquer Spain against the Moors, bringing back uh, the Catholic country. She helped to establish a unified Spain. She did so many things, her and her husband, Ferdinand. One of the things that she did was she really did not like Alexander VI, the Pope at the time. Because why? Well, because he was living in mortal sin publicly, unashamedly. He was doing things that were sinful and horrible and damaging and scandalous to the church. And she called him out on that. Now, when Alexander VI found himself surrounded by the French army, hiding in his castle in front of the Vatican, um, who did he have to call on to come to his rescue? Well, the woman in charge of the greatest army in, in Europe at the time, Isabel of Spain. As a faithful Catholic, she, she said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll bring my army down there and kick out the French. However, there's going to be some conditions. She wanted to protect Spain from corruption. The corruption of selling these, uh, these, these dioceses, you know, bishops' positions to dioceses, in these dioceses to the highest bidder, or giving them to your, your, your relatives to ensure your family's dynasty and power and control. She was like, I'm done with this. The only way I'm coming down there with my army is if you agree to let me decide who the prelate of Spain will be. And it's going to be my confessor. Uh, I think he was a Dominican. And uh, he's the guy you have to name. You have to name him as the prelate of Spain uh, or no dice. And he was kind of upset by this because normally he would have made a lot of money on that sale. He would have put that out to bid to the highest bidder, made a lot of money, and then that person would have been the bishop. See, this is what we're dealing with in Alexander VI, a no, no bueno kind of a pope. But Isabel of Spain knew that, and she called, the, she called a spade a spade. 
So she event he agrees. Her confessor becomes the prelate. By the way, when he received the bull that named him such, he got on his horse and he ran the other way. He did not want the job. They had to bring him back, kicking and screaming, and force him to take the job. And guess what? When the Pope found out that he wasn't wearing his fancy vestments or sleeping in a bed at night, but rather on the floor, the Pope commanded him to wear a nicer vestments and to buy a bed, which he bought, and he promptly slept on the floor underneath the bed. Holy obedience, but he doesn't have to follow a crazy thing. This is, well, this is what I was thinking about this morning when it comes to criticizing the Pope, which there's lots of people who can't stand the idea of criticizing a Pope. Listen, as, as, as the Pope says himself, he is a sinner like you and me. He also has recourse to the sacraments and of grace like you and me and to the mercy of God like you and me. But just like you and me, we do things and we get criticized. That's the way that goes. There are things that are criticizable. That doesn't mean you're burning down the pontificate. That doesn't mean you're destroying the fabric of the church by pointing out uh, troubling issues in our church, in our time, and then trying to have a, I mean, how he asks, says, well, they're not having dialogue. Well, how is it possible to have dialogue with the Pope? I'm curious. Is it possible? Maybe one, maybe there's a group of bishops who write a letter and say, hey, we would like to dialogue with you about X, Y, and Z. Oh, wait, that's called the dubia, and they're still waiting for a response. No, they're dead. Yeah. Half of them. Well, yeah. So it's an issue. It's an issue. I think we have to take a breath here and go, one, we, ha- we, we can criticize what we see as troubling issues and be respectful at the same time. One cannot lose respect for the pontificate and still bring up serious issues that, are, that need to be discussed. And that's the trick. And sometimes we do it great and sometimes we do it poorly. But either way, I think we must remember, take a breath, that to criticize the Pope personally is not a destruction of the pontificate or the fabric of the church. Um, so that's an issue. And I, find, I found it very interesting to listen to some of the people like Taylor Marshall, for instance, and others who are generally considered those that are that of his biggest critics, uh, public critics anyway. I find it fascinating that EWTM is called out uh, instead of Raymond Arroyo in particular. Again, one hour per week out of the how many hours, 24 times 7, seems disproportionate, in my opinion, to be considered, quote, the work of the devil, unquote. Let's change gears here and talk about what's going down in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, Tradiciones Caceres, something we've talked about many times already on this program. And many dioceses have come out with their, uh, with their sort of, the, uh, how they are going to be rolling out the new Samoran Pontificum from Pope Francis. And um, so we've seen a varying degrees. Some are light, some are heavy. But in Guadalajara, it's interesting because there is a, a, an FSSP uh, seminary down there. And this particular letter seems to have some troubling issues. Adrian, you want to summarize them for us? Uh, yes. So there's a few things that are incredibly troubling about this document that seems to be, you know, the sad thing is the, the letter that gets put out, it, see, it keeps going back and quoting the Holy Father and quoting Traditione Custodis. And we talked to Bishop Paparaki about this. And Bishop Paparaki gives us a model of how we can be obedient to Traditione Custodis while still giving wide breadth of freedom to the traditional Mass. 
Um, and we see that so many dioceses are not doing that. They are taking advantage of the situation and using it as an opportunity to crush the traditional mass. And so in Mexico, in Guadalajara specifically, not everywhere in Mexico, but the reason why this is significant is because they're actually working on putting a seminary for the fraternity there. And they're also working, they have a, a pre-seminary inside. So it's, it's a house of formation for young uh, men who are going to eventually move to the U.S. to go to seminary there in the U.S. And so I have friends that were actually have received the, the, their ordination and from Cardinal Burke in Guadalajara uh, in Mexico uh, because that's a huge spot in Mexico for the fraternity. And what happened is in this document, the the bishop there, he put out this letter and in it, you know, it, this is a English translation of it. There's no official translation of it, but the English translation of it says that they're going to be required to do the the readings in the vernacular then that's it. But they, because, already, they already do. Well, here's the problem. During the homily. Right. So they, they already read the readings in vernacular during the homily, right before the sermon. But in this document, they're saying that they are to not do the readings in Latin and then do them only in See, the vernacular. that makes no sense. Right. It makes if, no sense. If it's being read in the local language in the homily already, um, why, why press the issue? Like, what's the issue? Why press that? It doesn't make a lot of sense there. But here's the other thing about all of this. There's talks of oaths that need to be uh, sworn to by the local priests, uh, whether or not they are they adhere to the, the Novus Ordo, Vatican II, and all the rest. So that's very question. It's like the questions arise in our mind of, well, what's the real motivation behind all of this? Um, so there's a, a seemingly su- a suppression here. There's pressure upon traditional communities. To, and it might be forced that they're going to yeah, have to say the Novus Ordo Mass, which is their conscience? We're running out of time here, but here's one of the questions in my mind. Especially in Mexico. You have cartel armies taking over states there. Michio Khan, I'm thinking of you. You got you got corruption in the government. You've got a secularization of the people. And you've got a cult being uh, uh, wrapped into Catholic culture. And this is the issue you want to be a hammer on? That makes no sense to me. We'll be right back. Joseph Pierce and Breaking News is coming up next. Do you know any Lord of the Rings fans? Well, you could possibly win one of four free downloads of the brand new audiobook narrated by Gollum, Andy Serkis himself. I don't think the riders will want to be bothered with me now. Though, of course, the king did say that I was to sit by him when he came to his house and tell him all about the Shire. Yes, said Aragorn, and your road lies with him, I think, Mary. But do not look for mirth at the end. If you would like to try to win one of four free copies, downloads of this nearly 23-hour-long production by Andy Serkis, make sure to tune in to our interview with Joseph Pierce on Thursday at 6.30 a.m. Central, and then sign up to our email list on our website. But for myself and any that will go with me, I, for one, cried Legolas, And Gimli with him. You must be on our email list. Sign up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Elidia, from... Sorry about that. Uh, from Catholic Vote, Archbishop Cordileone uh, from San Francisco denounced abortion, calling it, quote, child sacrifice as House Democrats plan a vote on Friday on the so-called Women's Health Protection Act. The legislation would abolish state pro-life laws, force medical professionals to assist in abortions, and ensure taxpayer funding for abortions during all nine months of pregnancy. Any reasonable person with a basic sense of morality and inking of decency cannot be shuddered in in horror of such heinous evil and being confided by the law, Cordelian said. From Catholic Vote, John Garvey announced that he will be stepping down as the president of Catholic University of America on June 30th, 2022. I did not foresee how much I would fall in love with the school, Garvey noted. It has been an honor and a privilege to serve as president of this university. During his tenure, Garvey established a nursing school, a business school, and Garvey also had earned praise for increasing the university's fidelity to church teaching. From Catholic Vote, the American Principles Project is calling on Congress to reject the National Defense Authoriz Authorization Act in order to stop a controversial Democratic-backed amendment that would require American women to register for the draft. Quote, for decades now, the left has been engaged in a radical project to redefine men and women as having no particular difference, end quote, said APP President Harry Skyling. The truth is that the forcible constricting of our nation's mothers, sisters and daughters into warfare does not make them any more equal. From Epic Times, two teachers in Charlotte Mecklenburg School District in North Carolina alleged that the district's new COVID-19 testing policy discriminates against the unvaccinated and that the policy was decided on behind closed doors. From Epic Times, the railroad Amtrak, Amtrak said on Tuesday that it will require all of its 18,000 employees to be fully vaccinated for COVID-19 by November 22. From California, governor signs laws amid and ensuring access to abortion. California Governor Gavin Newsom on Wednesday signed two laws that are meant to make sure women have access to abortion. California Assembly Bill 1356 boosts penalties for crimes established by the California Freedom of Access Clinic Act. And lastly, from Florida, Florida's new Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Lapido, issued a new measure allowing parents to decide whether their child could have who has been exposed to COVID-19 should quarantine rather than giving schools the authority to do so. 
And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, Joseph Pierce. He's an author, a publisher, editor, a professor, a native of England, and uh, he has written many books uh, to include Frodo's Journey, uh, Discovering the Hidden Meaning of the Lord of the Rings, as well as Bilbo's Journey, uh, Discovering the Hidden Meaning of the Hobbit. Welcome to you and good morning, Joseph Pierce. To be here. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. Uh, we're grateful for your time. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, my house is big fans of Lord of the Rings and uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Somebody I did not even know as a, as a. I had to be an adult before I discovered that he even existed. My kids, uh, on the other hand, uh, they probably read his books a few times, listened to the audiobooks several, as various versions of the audiobooks several times. So uh, big fans. And we've listened and we've gone through uh, the two books I just mentioned. You have many more, but. But um, so one of the big fundamental questions that we have and we want to discuss today about Lord of the Rings is the Catholic faith of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, I have watched a, a documentary video. It's a very old one. I think they, his brother was in this, and this, this probably was produced, it looks like, very early 80s or late 70s. And in that, the brother says that his, the Catholic faith had really no bearing on his writing. And... Uh, I'm curious, what would you say? I think I know what you'll say, but I would like you to uh, maybe speak to that. Well, I think it's more important, not what I say, but what J.R.R. Tolkien says himself. And I'm quoting him here word for word. The Lord of the Rings is, of course, a fundamentally religious and Catholic work, unconsciously at first, consciously in the revision. So there's Tolkien's reply to his own brother, if you like. <laughs> well, thanks for the interview, Joseph. Have a great day. <laughs> well, you know, let's talk about the Lord of the Rings himself. You know, there's, there are critics of fantasy fictions such as this that includes magic and sort of the, the dark arts of things. And there have been comparisons made between Lord of the Rings and other works such as Harry Potter. How, how do you see uh, that from a critical perspective? Well, basically, Tolkien knows exactly what magic is. Magic is something that's evil. So insofar as magic uh, is at work in The Lord of the Rings, it's always uh, uh, being used by evil people uh, or demonic characters for evil purposes. Um, so characters such as Gandalf, who use what is apparently magic, are actually using their supernatural powers, angels. So basically, with, with, with Tolkien, you have to distinguish between magic, which is the, uh, basically uh, using forces to dominate nature and to dominate people. Uh, and that's one of the big things about Lord of the Rings is that it is usurping power that doesn't belong to us in order to dominate others or to dominate creation. That's what magic is used for. Um, angelic beings such as Gandalf uh, occasionally use their supernatural power from God. Um, and then other characters such as elves, I mean, that what the power that they have is natural in the sense that, you know, if I could fly like an eagle, I would be superhuman. But it's not unnatural for an eagle to fly. You know, I can I watch deer out, out the back here jumping over fences and effortlessly. If I could do that, I would be superhuman. But for a deer, it's natural. So the powers that the elves have are just natural to elves. So you have to understand these various aspects of things. But Tolkien knows what magic is. Magic is evil. And it's always used by evil forces for evil purposes in the Lord of the Rings. One of the things about the Lord of the Rings that, um, now I started with the movies, obviously, like all reasonable people. We start with the movies first, and then the, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. 
But it seems like a very complex world that Tolkien has established, is it not? Well, if you if actually read up one of his other works, The Silmarillion, we actually get the creation story of, uh, of Middle-earth, and he makes it perfectly clear. Middle-earth is our Earth. It's not a strange planet somewhere else. It's just our Earth imagined, uh, you know, prehistorically, many tens of thousands of years ago. But we are told that it's created, was created by one God, the All-Father, um, and it was a, a great music. In other words, God is the great artist, the great composer, uh, and we are helped to, we are meant to assist in the playing of that great music. In other words, we're meant to be doing the will of God in order to bring God's will into being in our lives and in the, the world in which we find ourselves. That's the, the underlying, underlying theology of the Lord of the Rings, and it's profoundly Catholic. And if we do need to remind ourselves, Tolkien was a lifelong practicing Catholic. Well, compared to the other uh, fictions that we've uh, seen in Hollywood that most recently, the uh, the uh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis team seems to be very overt in his Christian symbology, whereas I think in Lord of the Rings, you have to dig a little deeper, do you not? Yeah, but it's there as 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 uh, as obviously if you know where to dig. So let let, let me give you an example that um, the ring is destroyed on March the twenty fifth. Now, if you are not a Christian, that will mean nothing to you. But if you are a Christian, the March twenty fifth is both the date of the date of the annunciation. In other words, it's the date on which God becomes man. It's the date on which the Word becomes flesh. And also historically, March the twenty fifth was believed to be traditionally the actual date of the crucifixion so tolkien employs probably the most important date on the christian calendar march the 25th the date of the incarnation the date of the crucifixion to uh, for the date in which the ring is destroyed now what's what's destroyed by the life death and resurrection of jesus christ is the power of sin so this makes the ring synonymous with sin itself so that the power of the ring is the power of sin the bearer of the ring the, the ring bearer is a cross bearer the ring wearer is the sinner so you know so when you put the ring on it's the act of sin when you do that you enter satan's world you, you become invisible to our world you become more visible to Sauron, who's a, a, a demon and the greatest of, of satan's servants we're told that by, by by tolkien so when you understand all that and you, what you're being presented with is a profoundly theological and and catholic work of literature in listening to your work or going through your work on all of this, Frodo and Bilbo's journey, uh, both of those books I highly recommend. Um, one of the things that struck me is how like the Christ character gets spread out a little bit between several different characters. Aragon, Gandalf seems to share a little bit uh, in that, of course, uh, Frodo himself. Why, why did he take uh, the, uh, Jesus and his role and spread him out through several characters? Why not make him just one character? That, that, that's great. And that's a great question. Obviously, that what, what C.S. Lewis does in the Chronicles of Narnia is to make the Christ character one character. Aslan is always, uh, in every one of the seven stories, the figure of Christ. It's unmistakably. Talk is much more subtle. So we, we, the, there's not a Christ figure uh, in the Lord of the Rings per se, but certain characters and certain characteristics remind us of Christ. So for instance, as you rightly say... Oh, hold that thought, I'm sorry. Let's do that on the other side of this very short break. Joseph Pierce is our guest and we're having a conversation about the Lord of the Rings, the Catholic fabric of the Lord of the Rings. And on the other side of this break, we'll get him to follow up on that and talk about some of the characters and their their role from a Catholic perspective. All that's coming up next on the other side of this break. Catholic Drive Time, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
Do you know any Lord of the Rings fans? Well, you could possibly win one of four free downloads of the brand new audiobook narrated by Gollum, Andy Serkis himself. I don't think the riders will want to be bothered with me now, though, of course, the king did say that I was to sit by him when he came to his house and tell him all about the Shire. Yes, said Aragorn, and your road lies with him, I think, Merry. But do not look for mirth at the end. If you would like to try to win one of four free copies, downloads of this nearly 23-hour-long production by Andy Serkis, make sure to tune in to our interview with Joseph Pierce on Thursday at 6.30 a.m. Central, and then sign up to our email list on our website. But for myself and any that will go with me, I, for one, cried Legolas, and Gimli with him. You must be on our email list. Sign up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Joseph Pierce is our guest, uh, one of the foremost experts on, uh, on great literature, m- written many, many books. I would love to have you back, by the way, to talk about Shakespeare someday. Amen. Uh, that would be a fun conversation. But today we're talking about Lord of the Rings because uh, I'm also giving away free copies of the audio book that was just released by um, uh, Andy Serkis, who played Gollum or Smeagol in the movies, has narrated The Fellowship of the Rings, the unabridged copy, too. It's very, very good. We're going to give away four copies of that tonight, but you do have to be on our email list to get one of those copies. So join up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Joseph Pierce, before the break, uh, you were starting to go into some of the characters uh, that, and their sort of their role from a Catholic Christian perspective. Uh, maybe you can pick up there. Yes, indeed. So there are three characters, basically, that, that, that uh, exhibit, should we say, reminders of Christ in certain attributes or characteristics. So one is Gandalf, um, and we see uh, his uh, Christ-likeness, if you like, exhibited in his laying down his life for his friends, his death, and his subsequent resurrection, and not just resurrection, but transfiguration, because when he returns from the dead, uh, he, he rises not as Gandalf the Grey, but as Gandalf the White. And his cloak is so dazzling that he has to put uh, the Grey cloak back over him. It's like a cloud going over the sun. So we have death, resurrection, transfiguration in Gandalf. In, in uh, Frodo, Frodo as the ring bearer is the cross carrier. And again, Tolkien gives us clues through dates. So the Fellowship of the Ring leaves Rivendell on December the 25th on Christmas Day. The, the, the birth of Christ, and Frodo and Sam arrive at Golgotha, uh, Mount Doom, uh, on March the 25th, the date of the crucifixion. So that journey from, the, from Rivendell to, to, um, to Mount Doom is the life of Christ from birth to death. And then finally, we have Aragorn. Aragorn as the king is Christ the king. So we, when he takes the pass of the dead, that Aragorn has power to release the dead themselves of the curse. 
Uh, and of course, that reminds us of Christ descending into hell following his crucifixion and releasing the souls from limbo. Um, so um, there are various attributes, and also Ganda, uh, Aragorn's power as a healer, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. So we see various attributes of the Christ-like in various characters, very subtle, but very real. You know, I have a special guest in the studio who is a huge fan of yours, Joseph Pierce. That's my daughter, my oldest daughter, Mary Elizabeth. She has has read several of your books and really appreciates your take on this. Now, you, Mary, you wanted me to ask him about, uh, who was it, Eowyn? But I can't remember what you said, so why don't you ask him instead? Great going, Dad. You really, really <laughs> did a good job getting me on here. Oh, my heavens. Oh, hurry. We're on the, we're on the clock here, honey. So what's your question? My question was, uh, what is the theological significance of Eowyn? Eowyn. Well, that, that, that's a great question. About theological significance, the most important thing, of course, uh, is that she, in some sense, could be seen as a Marian figure. Because when she takes on the witch king of uh, Angmar, um, uh, he he says to her, she's obviously disguised with a helmet on as a man, to do not know that no man can destroy me. And she replies, do you not know that I am not that I am no man? And she removes her helmet. And it's the power of woman that defeats the serpent. Um, and again, we do need to understand that the, 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 the word dragon, the word worm, uh, the word serpent, all the same thing in Old English, talk, talks in Old English. So in slaying the dragon, um, and then the, the witch king that's riding upon the dragon. She's a Marian figure. Um, but then, of course, she chooses uh, marriage. Uh, uh, she chooses femininity. Um, and she finds fulfillment, if you like, as a bride. And, uh, and again, this is, um, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church is both the mystical body of Jesus Christ and the bride of Christ. Maybe that's that one flesh between the masculine and the feminine, which is the perfection, if you like, of, of, of Christ in us. So, uh, and his mother, of course, is a huge part of that. And Eowyn expresses that Marian dimension, the Lord of the Rings. Great question. Thank you. Do you have a personal favorite uh, Christological or typological element of the Lord of the Rings that stands out to you the most? Well, you're going to show that you're going to, you're going to expose me now as a bit of a, a nerd. Um, <laughs> My favorite character, actually, I normally say it's Treebeard, uh, and there is a typological reason for that, because Tolkien um, sees in trees uh, a symbol for tradition, and, and not just linguistic tradition, but ecclesiological tradition. Let me give you an example. Um, Tolkien said that the mania to try to find the so-called purity of the early church, uh, he says, is like trying to find a, a sapling from a full-grown tree. And he says that if you chop down the tree, he said, first of all, I don't know why a sapling is considered superior to a full-grown tree. He said, but if you chop down the tree looking for the sapling, you don't find the sapling, you kill the tree. So this understanding of the church as something which has uh, extended and, uh, itself and its presence throughout 20 centuries uh, as, a, as a metaphor of a tree, we see that in, in Treebeard and the Ents. They're the oldest creatures they have this knowledge of things based upon tradition, based upon experience. As, as G.K. Chesterton said, the Catholic Church is the one continuous institution that's been thinking about thinking for 2,000 years. That's what Treebeard is and the Lord of the Rings. 
That's interesting. I was thinking of, uh, of Carl Newman talking about, you know, the planting the seed and the prodding to an oak as a, the development of doctrine and uh, that being in relation to the, the trees. That's very interesting. Uh, one thing uh, I want you to respond to a, criti- a critique of just fantasy in general. So people will say, uh, well, maybe there's nothing wrong with Lord of the Rings per se. It's a Catholic book, sure. But, you know, fantasy take this out of the real world and we should be grounded in the real world and why have these great fictional heroes when we have all these great heroes like king saint ferdinand queen isabella the first uh king saint louis the ninth and the crusaders we have all these great heroes that we don't know anything about why uh learn and have heroes that are fictional how does god himself reveal himself to us he reveals himself to us in stories First of all, in the, he shows himself to us primarily by entering our story. History is his story, so let's not belittle stories. But also, how does Christ tell us some of the deepest lessons? By telling us fictional narratives. That the, the prodigal son doesn't exist. He's a work of fantasy. Right? He's a fictional character. The prodigal son, his brother, his father, the pigs, all a work of fiction, a product of our Lord's imagination. And yet that's so true, that story is so true, that when we hear it, we don't think um, the prodigal son is like us. We think that we are like the prodigal son. So this fictional character is the archetype of which we are only types. This is the power of literature, the power of storytelling, the power of fiction, which is sanctified by Christ himself in the gospel. And that comes from, like, on fairy stories by uh, Tolkien, correct? And he yeah, talks yeah, about... I would actually, anybody that wants to understand, if you like, Tolkien's philosophy of, of, of myth, uh, then they read his uh, essay, which was originally a lecture uh, on fairy stories. Um, and uh, th- there's so much in that. And we need to remember that Tolkien was a professor of philology, uh, a, a, a linguistics professor at Oxford University. So he knows about language, he knows about storytelling, he knows about the history of it, and he's a lifelong practicing and profoundly deep Catholic. And all of that can be found in that essay on fairy stories. So people want to answer those questions uh, in greater depth than the sort of soundbite I've just given. I agree with you. They should check out Tolkien's on fairy stories. I see Tom Bombadil coming up in the comment box here uh, <laughs> uh, by our friend David O'Gray. Uh, he wants to know who Tom Bombadil is in Christian theology, but we only have a couple of minutes left. I mean, we may have to have him back for that conversation, David. Uh, what I want to know is, okay, so if the Catholic worldview, if the Catholic lens is the lens through which to see the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, etc., uh, then how, do if an atheist were to pick this story up, would they be able to dive deep into this, see that point, and come to faith? No, uh, you, you, can, you can only go as deep uh, as, you, uh, as you are able to bring to the story your own depth. But what I would say is that everybody who reads The Lord of the Rings is nudged closer to Christ from wherever they, wherever they happen to be. So an, an atheist that would not pick up the gospel in a thousand years will pick up the Lord of the Rings and be moved closer to Christ. And from that new position closer to Christ, they might pick up and read things they wouldn't have read from their previous position. So everybody who reads uh, the Lord of the Rings is, be- is being moved closer to Christ from wherever, wherever they happen to be. But people in strange places read the Lord of the Rings that would not pick up a Christian book, an overtly Christian Have you had any anecdotal stories uh, shared with you about people who have grown closer to Christ as a result of Lord of the Rings? Oh, yes, you bet. And uh, from, from priest friends of mine that, that, that talk about the Lord of the Rings being major uh, influences upon their conversion, my own. I also came to the Lord of the Rings as an adult, and uh, I, would, I would call the Lord of the Rings one of the major milestones on my own conversion to, to, to Catholicism from uh, essentially agnosticism. 
So, uh, yes, uh, certainly Tolkien has brought many people to Christ. And as important, he strengthened the faith of many Christians. Um, so he's a great ally in the struggle against evil. And he was given great gifts by God, five talents, which he used very well and wisely. Hmm. Wow. Well, praise be to God. We're almost out of time now. Joseph Pierce has been our guest. His website, by the way, is jpierce.co jpierce.co you can find a link of all of his books there uh frodo's journey and bilbo's journey are great but there's a bunch of others as well don't you have a book on tom bombadil well i have a, i'm glad you mentioned i have a chapter called the enigma of tom bombadil in frodo's journey oh that's so, okay that's where i heard it it would be, be answered that question that was asked would be answered in that chapter so maybe you need to write a whole book. Maybe that's what the Lord is prompting me to tell you. Write an entire book on Tom Bombadil. So David O'Grey will be happy in our chat box. Uh, well, but we'll have to have you back. I would, I do want to talk about Shakespeare sometime. It was Shakespeare uh, a, a secret Catholic? I would love to know uh, your thoughts on that, of course, and many others. So uh, thank you for your time today, Joseph Pierce. God love you. God bless you, and have a great day. My pleasure. God bless you. All right, praise be to God. Before we go, though, I want to just say, hey, listen, we're giving away four free copies of that audio book uh, narrated by Andy Serkis, The Fellowship of the Ring. If you would like to win one of those copies, almost 23 hours long, it's the unabridged version, then you need to be on our email list. I'll send an email tonight with the instructions on what you must do. And the clue uh, to getting your copy was in this interview with Joseph Pierce. So... You've watched it. You've heard it. Now you just need to be on the email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to sign up for the CDT Insider email list. And you can do that right now. Plus, we'll give you the Father Bill Casey talk as just as a thank you for signing up. Or pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you in the next hour if possible. Go to our website, watch us live, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful, or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Do you know any Lord of the Rings fans? 
Well, you could possibly win one of four free downloads of the brand new audiobook narrated by Gollum. Andy Circus himself. I don't think the riders will want to be bothered with me now. Though, of course, the king did say that I was to sit by him when he came to his house and tell him all about the Shire. Yes, said Aragorn. And your road lies with him, I think, Merry. But do not look for mirth at the end. If you would like to try to win one of four free copies, downloads of this nearly 23-hour-long production by Andy Serkis, make sure to tune in to our interview with Joseph Pierce on Thursday at 6.30 a.m. Central, and then sign up to our email list on our website. But for myself and any that will go with me, I, for one, cried Legolas, and Gimli with him. You must be on our email list. Sign up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. God is so very good. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Joseph Pierce about the Lord of the Rings and uh, looking at it from a Catholic perspective, the Catholic faith of Tolkien being the fabric of the Lord of the Rings. A great conversation. We'll be posting it later, but let me remind you, uh, we are giving away four free copies of the audiobook narrated by Andy Serkis, The Fellowship of the Rings. It is very good. It's very well produced. Uh, we've been playing clips of it in our breaks been promoting it last couple of days and if you would like to get a copy uh one of four of these free uh downloads almost 23 hours long each um then you need to be on our email list and you have to have listened to the interview or watched the interview with joseph pierce which just ended so i'll be sending an email uh later today with a link to this conversation so you can rewatch it and inside there is the key uh to uh to answering the proper question, to getting you one of free four, uh, one of for, one of four free downloads. I I get there eventually. Nailed it. Nailed it. Totally. Ten attempts. <laughs> one time out of ten, I get it right every time. Speaking of that, speaking of nailing it, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning it's good morning to be here. A joke we used to say in high school. One of my friends would say, twenty percent of the time, I'm right every time." <laughs> <laughs> uh, good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. That was fun conversation. Yeah, it was. It was interesting to. I really, uh, I personally don't have any like formal uh, knowledge of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, we, we established that yesterday. Yeah, again. But apparently. I, I did appreciate um, something that stood out to me was your daughter's question and his response about the imagery, the bridal imagery. Yeah. Um, super cool. Yeah, I really love that. I really, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I loved putting my daughter on the spot, too. That was a lot of fun. As a dad, that's always fun to do. <laughs> and I'm sure your sons also like that very much. They were jealous that uh, I only brought my daughter today. So, because she is obviously the eldest and 
uh, super fan, and uh, the boys. Um, the, I'll call, I'll, well, I should say my oldest son, Stephen, uh, with his own kids, he is a huge fan too. He he has consumed Lord of the Rings. Uh, and the Cimmerillion and the poetry many times too. The so. only thing I want to know about mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, yeah. the only thing, and I didn't get to ask, mm-hmm. is was Gandalf named after Saint Gandolfo, the Franciscan friar? Why That's not? The only thing I wanted to know. Let's just say yes and go with it. I'm just saying. Don't fact check it. Don't just, fact just check go it. with it. Well, why not? Go, folks. Sure. Hey, listen, uh, besides uh, having fun with the Lord of the Rings today and giving out prizes, praise be to God, 15 past the hour, we're going to play Fear and Trembling, and you can get three more chances to win the prize pack from the Catholic Gentleman, uh, who has generously underwritten our, our, uh, spa- our game show this week. So that's coming up. The phone number is on our website, so when you're signing up to our email list, uh, you can always go scrolling down further, and you'll get the phone number to the game show at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But let me tell you, there's something special coming in the second half of this hour. So we go off of the radio at 30 past, and we stay on the live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're also live streaming on Odyssey right now, but I always post the live stream into Gab, Parler, Gloria.tv. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Um, you can watch even live right on our own website. But in the second half of this hour, we have a very special guest uh, Mark Oz is going to be our guest. Now, you might remember Mark, uh, Mark Oz Geist. He was at Benghazi on September the 11th, 2012. The movie 13 Hours, he was depicted in that film. He helped to uh, write the book that made its way onto film eventually. You know, he's got a harrowing tale. Uh, we just remembered 9-11, the 20-year anniversary, and not enough people, I think, remembered what happened on September the 11th, 2012, there in Benghazi. So he's going to help us uh, by retelling that story, and plus, he's been helping to rescue people out of Afghanistan, so he'll tell about that, and then he'll talk, talk to us about his Shadow Warrior Project, which helps contractors, military contractors. So Mark Oz Geist is going to be on our program at 30 past the hour in the after show. We'll record it. We'll play it in a guest segment on the show coming up. But that's going to be happening live, and you could be a part of that. Just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to uh, be a part of that if you're not able to join us via the radio. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. And this is Janice Valenzuela. Here are your headline news for today. From Elidia, this upcoming Saturday, thousands are expected to turn out in the nation's capital to march for a cause that most people don't know a lot about, the flight of the persecuted Christians around the world. The 2021 March for the Martyrs is the brainchild of Gia Chacon, who founded the nonprofit organization for the martyr for, for the martyrs to raise awareness that christian persecution is widespread according to a recent report from aid to the church in need almost 340 million christians that's one in eight who suffer from some sort of persecution persecution ranging in severity from har- harassment to murder we believe quote 
Chia had said, we believe knowledge inspires action. The more people who are aware of the crisis of Christian persecution, the more that we can we that can be done to aid the suffering faithful, she told Elidia. The pontiff thinks Massimiliano Stapriti, the healthcare worker who saved his life during a recent operation at the Vatican Hospital. Among the many headlines generated by the journalist Carlos Herrera, his interview with Pope Francis, one is the name Massimiliano. This is the name of the nurse who, as the Pope himself explained, saved his life very recently. From Elidia, another new Texas law adds protection for the unborn. Even as the Biden administration is suing the state of Texas over the most restrictive abortion law in the nation, Governor Greg Abbott signed a new bill into law increasing restrictions on the mail order provision of abortion medication. The law would push back the limit on prescribing abortion-inducing drugs from the current 10 weeks gestation to seven weeks. From Epic Times, Colleen and William Malone have donated $200,000 to three Philadelphia area Catholic schools. They hope their money can help with student tuition as needed to help support their Catholic education. From NCR, Benedictine College's classical architecture program, John High, director of the program at Benedictine in, at, in, in Kansas, do, doesn't want his students to build only for today or even for tomorrow. He wants their architecture work to point to forever. Quote, we're not going to build Utopia or the heavenly Jerusalem right here now, end quote, he told the register, but our students can use their training to point to the idea that with God, there will be an ultimate happiness started. The program started in 2016 and the four year professional program in architecture has grown over the years. From Catholic News Agency, with many institutions of higher learning taking a hit following a years of lockdowns, restrictions and economic uncertainty, some Catholic colleges and universities find themselves thriving, challenging national th trends with record-breaking enrollments for the 2021 to 2022. Various classical universities, such as the University of Dallas, Ave Maria, Christendom, and Thomas Aquinas College, are among the Catholic institutions of higher learning that have reported an incoming class as being substantially higher than any previous class. These trends in the fall semester enrollments among Catholic institutions are in contrast to reports at the national level from earlier this year. Colleges and universities nationwide saw a 3.5 decline this past spring as compared to the one before, according to the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. The saint of the day is Saint Padre Pio. But before we do Padre Pio, uh, real quick, Saint Linus is feast day is also today. He's the second pope after Peter. And Saint Thecla's feast day is also today, which we may cover tomorrow. Stay tuned. St. Padre Pio was born on the 25th of May, 1887 at Petroclina Benvenito, Italy as Francesco Forgioni. 
He was born to a southern Italian family, farm family and the son of Grazio, a shepherd. At the age of 15, he entered the novitiate of the Capuchin Friars in Morcone, Italy, and he joined the order at the age of 19. He suffered several health problems, and at, the, and at one point, his family thought he had tuberculosis. And I believe he ended up, he did have tuberculosis. He was ordained at the age of 22 on August the 10th, 1910. While praying before a cross, he received the stigmata on the 20th of September, 1918, the first priest ever to be so blessed. I believe all the others were religious uh, brothers and sisters. As word spread, especially after American soldiers brought home stories of Padre Pio following World War II, like one time a fighter pilot seeing him flying in the air, the priest himself became a point of pilgrimage for both the pious and the curious. He would hear confessions by the hour, reportedly able to read the conscience of those who held back, reportedly able to bilocate, levitate, and heal by touch. He founded the House for the Relief of Suffering in 1956, a hospital that served 60,000 a year. In the 1920s, he started a series of prayer groups that continues today with over 400,000 members worldwide. His canonization miracle involved the cure of Mateo Pio Colella at the age of seven the son of a doctor who works in the House of Relief of Suffering. The hospital in San Giovanni Rotunda, founded by Padre Pio on the night of the 20th of June, 2000. Mateo was admitted to the intensive care unit of the hospital with meningitis. By morning, doctors have lost all hope for him as nine of the boy's internal organs had ceased to give signs of life. That night, during a prayer vigil attended by Mateo's mother and some Capuchin friars of Padre Pio's monastery, the child's condition improved suddenly. When he awoke from the coma, Mateo said that he had seen an elderly man with a white beard and a long brown habit who said to him, Don't worry, you will soon be cured. The miracle was approved by the congregation in John Paul II on the 20th of December, 2001. He died on the 23rd of September, 1968, in San Giovanni Rotunda, Foggia, Italy, of natural causes. He was canonized on the 16th of June, 2002, by Pope John Paul II at Rome, Italy. St. Padre Pio, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. And he was greatly perplexed because some were saying, John has been raised from the dead. Others were saying, Elijah has appeared. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. But Herod said, John, I beheaded. Who then is this about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, St. Chrysostom uh, spoke a couple of times today on this particular gospel, uh, and he really reflected on Herod's fear. Living in a state of sin gives way to fear, right? And uh, he said, I quoted him once in the last hour, but this is a different quote this hour, St. Chrysostom. When Herod then heard of the miracles which Jesus was performing, he says, John I have I beheaded, which was not an expression of boasting, but by way of allying his fears, and bringing his distracted soul to recollect that he had killed, sort of meditating on the fact of the horror uh, of his action in choosing to behead John the Baptist, the one who makes straight the path. And I, I really reflected on that this morning to say, when we live in a state of sin, 
we give ourselves over to fear. As uh, Joseph Pierce was saying, the ring, when, Fro- when Frodo put the ring on, he left the state of grace and entered the state of sin, and the, the evil world could see him, whereas the, the, uh, the good world couldn't. Fascinating, isn't it? All right. Well, praise be to God. We're uh, going to go to a break. We're going to come back and we're going to play Fear and Trembling, which means we need a contestant on the phone pronto uh, to play our game. You don't need to know the answers to our questions to win our game. Praise be to God. You could not know a single one and still win. All you need to do is pick up a phone and dial right now, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now looking for our contestant, at 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2:10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do not tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. You must keep this secret just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during the uh, game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and uh, you might learn something. And that's always a good thing, right? 
We like to have fun. Our callers tend to be great sports, laughing with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which really makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here and you're just joining us, well, here's the kicker. I will not ask the trivia questions to the caller. Instead, I will ask Janice. I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? Do they trust Janice? Do they trust Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? We have a great uh, sponsor from Catholic Gentleman's Store, www.catholicgentleman.com. They have a store. They're a Catholic apostolate for Catholic men and a uh, great apostolate. They're all over social media. They're giving away a coffee mug and a leather patch hat. So in total, it's about a $65 value in, nice. ter- uh, in term when you have, when you add the coffee mug and the leather patch hat. But yes, it's a great uh, uh, stoneware coffee mug. Nice. And wow. um, the hat is a flex fit twill baseball cap. Uh, that has a leather patch on it with the logo uh, for of Catholic gentlemen. Love it. Praise be to God. Might be a great gift for the man in your life, or I don't know. So uh, you do get three more chances at this tomorrow. So if you tried to call in today or, and you haven't made it on, call in earlier tomorrow. You can sit on hold to give yourself the advantage. Uh, you can find the phone number on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But thank you, Catholic gentlemen, for generously sponsoring our game show this week. Let's go to the phones. Dan, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Praise be to God, Dan. Where are you from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we get a lot of uh, great calls from San Antonio, Texas. Where do you go to church, Dan? Our Lady of the Atonement. Wonderful. Praise be to God. Uh, gl- good to have you on the program, Dan. Now, do you know how the game is played? Are you familiar with the rules? Yes, I do. And, yeah. and have you formed any opinions about who might be the trickiest of all? Uh, it seems like they change it up. <laughs> are you saying they're equally tricky? Or? I'll have you know I've never played baseball. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I, however, am on your side. My job is to get you in the cup. So are you ready to play, Dan? Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. We will start with Janice, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Janice, can you tell me <laughs> what is meant by taking God's name in vain. Ooh, yes. I learned this early in my life as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom would say, don't use uh, the name of God as a curse word. So okay. the name of God or the holy name of Jesus without reverence. So don't, yeah, like, like you know, the, there's a lot of curse words and, and uh, irreverent words that you can say. So reverence is the key there. Yes. You can't use them without reverence. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's your answer. Yes. All right. Let's just uh, get a second opinion here. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is meant by taking God's name in vain? Uh, well, taking God's name in vain, well, vain means like pointlessly. So it means like when you're praying, you shouldn't use the name of God because, you know, you don't want to use vain repetition. Vain repetition. Right. Um, so you don't want to be like, my God, my God, like saying it twice. So like, what's the point? It's kind of crazy. You don't You don't want to do that? No, you don't want to do that. Hmm. So vain repetition. Exactly. That's what that means. 
All right, well, uh, Dan, let me summarize for you here. Adrian seems to think it all comes down to vain repetition, whereas Janice seems to think it all comes down to reverence, and you shouldn't use the name of God uh, in an irreverent way. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Dan, what say you? I'm going with Janice. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Vain repetition, Adrian. Good grief. <laughs> Who let you in the room, my friend? Well, I mean, you know, I literally quoted Jesus. My God. <laughs> my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. But uh, the, the technical answer, according to the card in my hand anyway, says the name of God or the holy name of Jesus Christ is used without reverence. That is considered to be uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. Good job, Dan. You've made it into the cup. Praise be to God. You could possibly win now. Uh, but let's see if we can't double your chances. Uh, are you ready to go to the second question? Sure. All right. We're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me what religion did Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, and the Disciples of Christ develop from? Right. They came straight out of the Mormon church. Straight out of the Mormon church. Straight out of the Mormon. You know, like you got straight out of Compton, they're straight out of Mormon. <laughs> I just had an image in my head of people riding bikes with white shirts, black ties, and little pocket protectors. Straight out of Mormon. Straight out of Mormon. <laughs> All right. That should okay. be a movie. Let's get back on track. Janice. Janice, uh, hopefully you'll be a little bit more mature uh, in responding. Uh, Janice, can you tell me what religion did Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, and the disciples of Christ develop from? Hmm. That's kind of tricky. Is it? Because I feel like everything started with Martin Luther. Hmm. So it's like the Luthers, but I also have heard it's from the Baptists. Really? So I'm I'm not sure, but I'm just going to say the Baptists. The Baptists. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it sounds reasonable to me. Uh, Dan, here's the deal. Uh, Janice seems to think it's the Baptists, but Adrian seems to think it's the Mormons. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Dan, what say you? Adrian. Are you sure? Ah, oh, curveball low and right, and you swung. I'm so sorry. Uh, but in fact, it, the correct answer is the Baptists. Um, fascinating thought is, you know, a lot, a lot of these things happened almost around the same time period. They all kind of developed from around the same time period. And uh, Freemasons were a big influence in all of those as well. It's to very include the Mormons, to include the Mormons, but and uh, the Luthers. So it's so yeah, it's so straight out of Baptist, not straight, straight out of, of Baptist, not straight yeah, out of Mormons. <laughs> so a different music video altogether. Uh, all right, here we go. Last question. I'm pretty sure Dan, we can get you in the cup a second time on this. This is you. I guarantee you've heard this last one probably a bunch of times. Like every time you go to mass, uh, maybe. Okay, well maybe. Okay, here we go. Uh, third question, back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me? Or rather, can you translate for me, Christ have mercy into Greek? Hmm. And we, it's used at Mass, by the way. Yeah, so I think So, Christ uh, have mercy, what would that be in Greek? That would be Christi eleison. Christi eleison. Yes. That's your answer. Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, let's just see what Adrian has to say. Adrian... Can you translate for me, Christ have mercy, into Greek, as it's used in the Holy Mass? Christ have mercy into Greek, as we use it in Mass. 
Hmm. I'm going to say Cairo. Cairo. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your answer. That's my answer. Cairo. Cairo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal, Dan. Um, Adrian seems to think it's Cairo, uh, but Janice says it's Criste Eleison. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Dan, what say you? Go back to Janice. Survey says. <laughs> yeah! Of course, Cairo. What is Cairo, Adrian? That is the sign in the sky symbolizing the name of Christ. Uh, in this name, you will conquer, said, uh, had a vision to. Uh, Constantine before he went to battle. And it's really just two Greek letters yeah. that uh, are a shortened version of, of the Greek version of Jesus' name. Is Christy Eleison similar to Kyrie Eleison? Kyrie is Lord. So Kyrie is Lord. thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Lord have mercy and Kyrie Christ have mercy. Kyrie is Lord and Christe is Christ. Okay, yeah, because so. I, I was going to say uh, Kyrie Eleison, but then I was like, wait. Maybe it's, uh, <laughs> it's and then I got it's confused. <laughs> but anyway, Dan, you're in for two. Praise be to God. You made it. God is so good. How do you feel, Dan? Uh, thank you. Well, we're grateful that you've uh, called in today, being a part of our program. Dan, God bless you, and God love you. Uh, we're going to put you on hold uh, so we can get your phone number, but uh, have a great day, Dan. Thank you again for playing the game. Uh, thank you. Too. God bless All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. But here's the good news. Two things I want to say before we say goodbye on the radio side. One is uh, we're giving away the four free downloads of the Andy Serkis audiobook of the Fellowship of the Rings. Uh, To get that, to get your opportunity, you do need to be on our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Number two. You need to join us for the second half of this hour because we are going to have none other than Mark Oz Geist on the program. We're going to remember 9-11, the Benghazi 9-11. We're also going to talk about Afghanistan and the Shadow Warrior Project. All that's coming up in the next half hour, so make sure you jump on our live feed over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, over on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter or Odyssey and everywhere else. So hang out with us for the next half hour as we conversate with Mark Oz Geist about remembering 9-11, Afghanistan, and the Shadow Warrior Project. All that's coming up next. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. And if you're on the CDT email insider list, you're going to get that email hitting your inbox tonight about the giveaway. So don't look, uh, don't miss that. Make sure it's not in your junk folder. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. Normally, we, we chat with you and hang out with you and get really really casual about whatever it is you want to talk about. But today is special. Uh, we, we were trying to get Mark on the program uh, the last couple of weeks, 
and we finally found an opportunity to get him on the schedule. We had a bit of a conflict today, so we, we decided we put him in the after show, and we're going to record this conversation and then play it during one of our guest segments on the radio site as well. So you, my dear listener and uh, viewer, you get to have first crack at this, and uh, you get to watch it live, so praise be to God uh, for that. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Mark Ozgeist. He was a member of the Annex security team that fought in the Battle of Benghazi in Libya September the 11th, 2012. We just remember Remembered uh, the 20th anniversary of September the 11th, and we did a, uh, something special here on this program, as you might remember. But you know, remembering Benghazi is something we also have to remember because it was a pretty tragic thing to see an American ambassador murdered, and it was even more tragic to see the cover-up that happened afterwards and uh, the sacrifice of those that tried to to make a difference on that day. And Mark was a part of that. Mark, good morning. Thank you for being a part of our program. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? Semper Fi, I'm alive and that counts. Um, Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service to our country. We're very grateful for your time today. Um, Let's start by remembering 9-11. I also want to talk about Afghanistan. I also want to talk about Shadow Warrior Project. But let's start with Benghazi. Can you take us through that again? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been nine years now. Um, It's amazing that it's it's really the time has passed. It seems uh, very quickly, but... uh, you know, it's especially around this time of year, it's, it, you know, it kind of still hits home and, uh, you know, you remember everything that happened that night. And, uh, you know, it started out at about 9.30, 9.40 at night. Um, I had already been out in town, me and this female case officer. We were on a, a dinner date meeting with a local Libyan couple when uh, I got a phone call that uh, from Tyrone Woods, who was our team leader, his call sign is Roan, and uh, he... Uh, said to get back to the annex and stay away from the consulate. And I knew he didn't go into too many details because we're on a cell phone, so it's open source. And uh, we uh, got through that. I had to make our way back. When I got back, I took over security at the annex. The rest of the team had went over to the consulate. You know, they had encountered over 40 armed individuals who had taken over um, the consulate, was able to push them off, repelled another counter assault over there, rescued, uh, um, the uh, State Department security team, they were located Sean Smith's body, unable to locate the ambassador's body uh, at that time. And after the second counter-assault, um, there was information that another one was coming with a lot more people. So they pulled back to the annex where over the next, uh, oh, what was it, probably eight or ten hours, the we got attacked three more times at our annex base and the last one culminated with a complex attack of mortars, belt fed machine guns, AK 47s. And that's where uh, the mortars came in and uh, killed Ty and Glenn injured me pretty bad. Also injured Dave, one of the state department guys uh, severely as well. And uh, that's kind of how the night ended until about seven o'clock in the morning when we were able to make our way to the airport. And finally about 10 o'clock, I think the last 10, 1030 is when the last guys got out finally. Wow. You know, I was just thinking about being in boot camp. I went to San Diego, MCRD, and we would do line training and uh, we would be doing hand to hand combat uh, training. And above us on a walkway would be the drill instructors and they'd be pacing back and forth while we're in the pit. Yep. And I remember they would quote statistics from Vietnam while we're sitting there doing this these drills. 
and throwing each other down, chokeholds, breaking stuff. You know, that was fun. We, we, we thought that was fun. But I remember listening to them quote uh, statistics out of Vietnam about how every Marine in a fire base in Vietnam was responsible for killing 30 individual uh, uh, enemy soldiers. And if you died, that meant your buddy next to you had to kill 60. Yep. And uh, that statistic blew my mind. To think about the responsibility that you have in a, when you're an outnumbered situation. And what you just described to me was that precise scenario. What was going through your mind while you were having to endure that long battle? Well, you know, when we got back to the annex, I mean, um, each one of those attacks that came, there was, you know, we don't, don't have an exact number. Um, first one, it seemed like there was probably... 25 guys that came after us. Then the next one is almost double that. The third one, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, they depicted it well in the movie for us. Um, and that was very uh, satisfying that Michael Bay really was about making sure it was right. But to get back to your question, I mean, you know, at that time, I looked at things, uh, I call it task saturation. And, you know, you got so many things coming at you, guys out there coming across the fields, things that you got to think about. You almost got to slow down and, you know, through training, and that's where the Marine Corps, you know, that, that time in the Marine Corps definitely helps. The way they train you, just you got to focus on your mission and you know what it is. And it's to take out the bad guys and cover your sector, um, you know. And, and so you just pick out the initial threats. You take them out, move past those, go to the next, and just continue on. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's almost like slow motion, mm-hmm. at least in your mind, when you know things are happening really quick. It's just uh, – it's just training yourself to do that. And I think that's one of the most, the most important things that have that night was just the level of training that we've all had through our, our military careers. Uh, Mark, I so when this came, when this happened back in 2012, I was in eighth grade. And so I don't remember, like, I had no, I wasn't paying attention to the news. I had no idea what was going on in the world. And so now hearing about it now, what should I know about this taking it away? Like, I obviously be good to know uh, all the details of what's going on, but what is the uh, ramifications from then that I should be aware of in 2021? Um, one is that boats matter. I mean, to be honest with you, because the people that were in charge during Benghazi um, from the state department, all the way up through the Ob- Obama administration outside of the president then himself are the same people that have been in charge of what's going on here in Afghanistan, um, just at different levels. Um, so that's one thing I think um, on a broader spectrum that people should understand is, you know, what we do and, uh, you know, matters. And second is to get probably closer to the point of a personal thing is, you know, it's that night, I think one of the bigger things that occurred was, and I, I'm in the middle of, kind of writing a book on it now it's but it's i call it the seventh man and it's it's having god in your life and having him involved in what's going on i mean that night there's no way that we could have gotten through everything we did if it, if we didn't have that seventh man on our team and and that was christ himself is being there to you know to, to interdict when when necessary for his purpose and uh you know there was a lot of things and that had happened that night that you know there was an rpg that was shot at tig um and you could see it. I got to see it actually on the drone footage. And it was the third RPG that two of them went over his head. The next one was coming right at him. And in the about halfway there, it just took a 90 degree turn wow. and went off into nowhere. Praise um, be to God. You know, and, and that's that just doesn't happen. I mean, 
if it would have got hit by something or it would have fizzled off, but to literally take a 90 degree turn and just go out and go, I mean, like it took a stop at a stop sign, took a right and just went out into the middle of nowhere. Um, You know, and you know, and there's, you had initially when tying and Jack and Tig entered into the state department's compound because Tig and, and DB were in overwatch positions. You had three guys that went into a, a compound with armed with 40 armed insurgents. And, you know, people ask, well, how do, how do three guys or how are three individuals able to push off 40 armed individuals? And it's through, you know, it's through the violence of action and the element of surprise. And, you know, we as Christians need to take that same fight to to the devil and to what was what's Amen. going on in our worlds um, and how you know how they're doing that. We have to take that back to them. It's not necessarily the violence, but that effort that mm. w- that takes to overcome evil is uh, is is great, and we have to be great to do that. Our regular listeners will know what I'm about to say, uh, and Joe knows what I'm about to say. Do you know the story of Colonel Ripley? He's uh, there's a great book about him called The American Knight, and he this uh, what you've been describing here, just like rings of Colonel Ripley. He was uh, the famous Donghao Bridge, and he uh, blew up Donghao Bridge, and he would hand walk underneath the bridge, and as he was doing it, he was repeating the mantra over and over to himself: Jesus, Mary, get me there. Jesus, Mary, get me there. As he was hand walking out, laying the charges as the Vietnam soldiers were shooting at him from down below and never hit him. And then he falls down below and he uh, ends up living and he uh, becomes a hero both there and back uh, on the on uh, on U.S. soil. And uh, that that story, like, it's just the idea that with separating God from everything in society or from the warrior and from there you go. Yeah, I, I, that's a part of our challenge today in an ever-growing secular world is the warriors that we ask to to go and fight our battles in some of these crazy places and sometimes overwhelming numbers um, to have a sort of a, a, an agnostic or atheistic worldview is crazy to me. Uh, there are no atheists in foxholes, used to be the saying. And uh, so the warrior has to have, it has to be God-centered, has to have Jesus Christ on its team. I think, in order to prevail against the difficulties and the, and the challenges that come their way. I wanted to ask you, Mark. Mark Oz Geis is our guest. He was a member of the Annex team in Benghazi, September the 11th, by the way. September the 11th, 2012. Uh, was it, uh, did you find it interesting? Did you, did you understand the connection, the link to September the 11th, by the way, early on? You know, for us, uh, yeah, we did, because... You know, I worked with a group called GRS, and it's called Global Response Staff. And our job is to be security for the CIA personnel as they do their job. And, you know, they don't, as high level as the CIA operatives and case officers and them that are, they still need security when they're doing things in certain areas. So every country or every place that we've worked or we were working is um, – a high, it's it's nine eleven almost every day. It can kick off, so wow. you always got to be aware of that. But of course, it being the actual nine eleven, it even raised our awareness even that much more. Um, you know, normally on those days we don't even go outside our walls because it's just better to not get caught out there. Um, other than me and uh, my the case officer I was with, it was that's a rare thing that we had to go out on that night. But uh, it's it is something that hits home. Um, when you're there, when you're working overseas in that environment. 
What about the follow-up and the, the days after and, and the, the, the needing or seeking of information about what happened, who knew what, when, why didn't we send uh, the, the, the QRF to come help? Uh, how did you feel looking back at that? How do you feel now looking back at that and seeing like you, you kind of got left hung out to dry and nobody's been held accountable ever since? How does that make you feel? You know, I, I give it to the Lord. I mean, those that are responsible for the debacle then and as now, you know, you'll either find, you know, justice will be made either here or after. Um, either here or in front of the Lord, they're going to have to answer for their, for what they've done and how they decided to do things. Um, you know, and, and, and I, that's the thing that gives me solace and comfort is just knowing that, you know, they that everyone has to be held for their account. And that is the day that really matters. I mean, the justice that we could give to people is minuscule compared to what the justice uh, Christ is going to give to, uh, to them. And everybody, I mean, like it goes to what you said, whether you're an atheist or not, I mean, you still have to give account. You just don't realize it. So, you know, I'd rather meet him now than have to meet him then. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well said, praise be to God. Um, I want to, I want to, Trans- well, before I transition, let me ask you this. I wanted to ask you this question. Was it a surreal experience to see you being portrayed on, on a Hollywood film? It, it was. It was, uh, you know, it was really a good time being a part of that and seeing how all that works and understanding why I'd never want to be a part of it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, on a, with, with Michael Bay, he was wonderful at, with us. I mean, he had a lot of respect for us and our opinions and really consulted with us. So it made it a very, uh, as realistic movie as it could be with not with, with it still being entertaining and not a full blown documentary. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, it was, especially with the, the character, you know, the actor that played me was, uh, um, looked very, very much like me, Max Martini. And so, us being on set together, every, we'd, we'd mess with the Michael Bay. I'd go to wardrobe and get the same outfit on that he had, and we'd both walk around the set <laughs> just to uh, just to confuse everybody. <laughs> That's hilarious. I used to like him in the unit. I really enjoyed uh, him in the unit, and uh, I, he's probably an actor who probably specializes in playing military characters because he sells it very, very well. Yeah, yeah. He was in the unit. He was in. Uh, he was the SEAL commander in uh, um, Captain Phillips. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's done several movies regarding uh, around that military uh, mantra. And, uh, and he's, he's not only is he good at it, he does, he's good at it because I think it's true to his heart, the, the love and respect he has for the military that, and the sacrifice that everyone's done to allow him to do what he does. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Well, let's transition now. I want to talk about Afghanistan and uh, your thoughts. Uh, you served in the Marine Corps 12 years, uh, you know, a deputy sheriff in, in Colorado, uh, military contractor for, uh, for the CIA. And um, how do you feel about our withdrawal from Af- Afghanistan? You know, um, I understand that at some point we can't stay there forever. Yeah. Um, so the withdraw, withdrawing, isn't the issue I have with uh, the, I, the issue I had is, is how it was done. I mean, it was, <clears throat> and I think it was done because the current administration wanted to have it done before September 11th. They wanted to be able to come to on September 11th, say 
we got out of Afghanistan. We got us out of this last war. Well, um, the problem with that is that they thought they could, and I really think that they had State Department making the decisions than the military, because I cannot believe that a military general would sit there and say, okay, hey, the best idea is to let's all leave Bagram where we have one or two or three runways. We have a lot of standoff. It's the most defensible position in Afghanistan just about. I mean, that's why everybody, every conquering nation that's came through Afghanistan has held that ground till they didn't want to because it's defensible. And say, you know what, let's, let's ignore all of history, all of the tactics and the training that we've known, and let's set up our exfil out of Kabul airport. Um, Kabul airport has no standoff, as we all know now. It is ridiculously undefensible, and it has one runway. Their, their, their justification was, well, the embassy's only, um, you know, like three miles away. Well, you, still, you, know, you can't get there. Anybody who's been in Kabul, you can't get from where the embassy was to the airport. Even though it's only a couple miles, it takes an hour on the ground because of traffic and people and everything. And so, obviously, we were going to have to fly everybody there. Why didn't we move it to Bagram and be able to sit, move the embassy to Bagram and have a more controlled and um, tactical withdraw rather than be seen as flying helicopters off the rooftop to get out of there in time, just like we did in Vietnam? Yeah. Just from the optics alone, it was terrible. But forget about the optics for a second. It was just smarter to do things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I don't – I've been told not to – to smash our, you know, to smash our generals too much because, you know, they were just following orders. Well, no, they don't ju- when you're at that level, you don't just follow orders. You know, you are a career military person leading men in combat. If you know the situation isn't right and is not perfect, for it, it's not the best thing that can be done for your troops or for the country itself, mm. then you know what? You step up and you take the hit on that. And I would have really liked to seen the leadership in the military put their stars on the table of the president and say, no, this is a bad decision. We're not going to be a part of it. You do it yourself. Take that stand. This was my number one uh, gripe, pet peeve, about this whole debacle. Uh, As a a young enlisted man, I joined the Marine Corps at 17. My mother had to sign me over to the federal government. Uh, You know, as an enlisted man, wake up late one day. Fall asleep on a watch one day. You get the full throttle UCMJ cat thrown at you. You get office hours. You, you get bashed pretty hard for doing the slightest infraction. Leave a country in complete disarray and chaos where 13 service members die and countless are, are left behind and falling off of airplanes and nobody goes to jail. Nobody loses rank except for one man. The only one person so far to date who's been relieved of command is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Schiller. Uh, a battalion commander who complained on a social video about the, the leadership uh, in this withdrawal process was relieved of command and uh, is now going through a legal battle to save his what was left of his career. 17 years in the Corps is not going to retire, is not going to get a pension, none of it. Uh, doesn't that bug you, too? Oh, it does a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, but it's, you know, everything, you know what rolls downhill, and it always rolls downhill. 
And uh, you got a lieutenant colonel who was willing to step up and show true leadership. Um, you know, I think about it is having the strength and the courage to do that. And and I think, you know, I bet you if you look back into his uh, in, into who he is, I'll bet he's a Christian. I'll bet he uses the leadership that Christ has shown us throughout the Bible in the New Testament of what true leadership is. It's thrown over the money-changing tables. You know, all of that kind of thing is the leadership that we need. And I think you would find him to be that. That's where he gets a lot of his guidance, I bet. Amen. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the effort, uh, the Shadow Warrior Project, shadowwarriorproject.org. You've been helping to help get people out of Afghanistan? Um, yeah, we've been uh, coordinating and working with other veteran service organizations that are doing the same thing, uh, you know, um, instead of trying to do one thing on our own and everybody else the same, it's better to come together. And, you know, it's ironic that there's more getting done on saving American lives of those that are in Afghanistan still to this day mm. than the military or our country is as a whole. Um, I mean, it's, we're going on 30 some days since uh, we pulled out of Afghanistan and we still have American citizens and green card holders who are stuck behind in Afghanistan. And it's just, it's, it's horrendous. We've got missionaries that are out there, you know, that Christians that have been converted to Christ that are Afghani that cannot get out because the Afghans don't want any Afghans leaving the country um, because they want to take their revenge out on them. And uh, you know, it's, it's horrendous that that's going on. Yeah. I was pretty inspired by the vets that came together and some of which, went into Afghanistan to actually physically remove these people. But uh, can you name some of the organizations that have come together to coordinate efforts and, and uh, bring together the resource, financial resources and otherwise to help bring people out? Um, you know, Glenn Beck with his Nazarene project has been really instrumental in helping a lot of other organizations and partnering with, uh, you know, different groups as well as taking the leadership to, to do what they can. And, and, you know, they've been, He's got that method, that, that ability to raise a lot of money quick, and that really helped out with that. Um, we have um, Operation Dynamo, which I'm working with a group of guys that are doing that. And Dynamo is referring to – the reason we called it it's Operation Dynamo 2 um, refers to the same operation that happened at Dunkirk when the civilians had to get the British troops off the beaches. It was called Operation Dynamo. Um, Shadow Warriors Project, obviously – and you have the, uh, <clears throat> I think it's the pineapple, uh, Operation Pineapple, and if I'm saying that right. Those guys are doing a lot of good things as well. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of others that are working very, you know, just kind of in, in the background supporting all these different organizations. And it's the American people out there that are making those donations and helping out that really make the effort that allow us to go over and do what we're doing and, and saving lives, literally Amen. saving the lives of people that have gotten left behind. Praise be to God. I see you have a donation link on your website, Shadow Warrior Project, Shadow Warriors, ShadowWarriorsProject.org. You can check that out, and you can also donate to the, to the effort to get them out. But uh, why don't you tell me about the Shadow Warriors Project? What is this uh, not-for-profit, and uh, what is your mission? Well, you know, originally me and my wife started this uh, because as private security contractors, we have a workman's comp policy to cover our medical. It doesn't get covered by the government or anything like that. So all of my injuries, had it not been Benghazi, all of my injuries would have been through civilian hospitals. Um, and it would have been paid by workman's comp or 
And a lot of those bills would have been absorbed by the uh, contractor themselves if they get killed or injured. So <clears throat> in dealing with that, I mean, we didn't want anybody else to ever have to have that. And mm. there's literally no support for the families and the kids of those that are serving in place of the military overseas. So we started Shadow Warriors Project. And over the years now, it's been six years, I think, seven years now, um, it has grown to the point of where we also provide canine service dogs to veterans as well as private security contractors. And then we also have a, uh, a canine therapy program that we do uh, where we bring in eight to 10 combat vets. We introduce them to Christ. We introduce them to the dogs for a seven, for a week long period where they work with the dogs. They use the dogs to, and we use the dogs to show them how to help manage their stress and their anxiety that come with uh, either the TBIs or the PTS and the stress that we get after uh, going out there fighting those monsters for this country. And, mm. uh, and then we end it with everybody has to tell their story. Uh, you know, one of the best things for me that's been really cathartic is having to tell this story. And I think we all have a story to be told. And, you know, it's not just our person, the combat story, it's the life story because a lot of us um, that join the military, you're either running from something or to something. And, Half the time, we probably show up with uh, with a bucket full, or at least half full, um, of trauma that before we even get into what's we see in the military. And uh, you know, between that peer to peer support of the small group talking and the dogs and Christ seeing that work together with guys uh, that you never would think would uh, entertain that uh, that Christian, uh, you know, accepting Christ as their Lord as, as their Lord and Savior is is huge. So we've had a lot of sex, success with that. And obviously, we tur- we pivoted a little bit during Afghanistan here and the pull-up, um, doing that project as well. So there's about four major things that we do there. Can you tell me about the the contractors? I, we talk a lot about veterans, and I know a, probably most of these contractors are veterans themselves. But um, when we speak, when we think in terms of uh, people who have served our country, especially in combat, we think in terms of veterans. Uh, do the contractors... <laughs> Do they have similar statistics by way of PTSD, by way of depression or suicide rates or, or uh, addictions? You know, they do. Um, you know, what we see when they talk about that number of 22 a day, a lot of times that's not including all of the contractors. I mean, because we are veterans, if we're doing, if we are working through injuries maybe received before working as a contractor, it would be through the VA. And so they count that number, but a lot of them aren't. And, when you come to the deaths and injuries of contractors, um, and if you look at contractors as a whole, all the contractors that worked in Afghanistan and, um, and Iraq and other countries, since 2001, during the war on terror, we lost 5,000 contractors and over 30,000 wow. injured in probably 40 to 50 different countries. Wow. Um, you know, because, and it's, it could be the guy that's working in a food service tent serving our soldiers, but he gets, because a rocket comes in and lands in that vicinity or where he lives in, you know, at the man camp, he's injured or killed. And, and there's really no support for him. Um, and, you know, the security contractors are the ones that are really out there um, outside the wire moving like we, we did protecting those smaller bases, don't have that support. Um, and we just didn't want to see anybody have to uh, struggle with their bills and worry about losing a house just because they were serving our country, even though it was in a different capacity. Yeah. Amen. Now your own injuries during Benghazi, you, you took a pretty severe uh, hit to your hand. 
uh, right? It was your left hand, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, it was, so I had a piece of shrapnel go through, uh, it actually went through about right here, um, disintegrated two inches of the radial bone, shattered wow. the ulna. Um, pretty much my arm was hanging on by just a little bit of skin and muscle, uh, you know, and, and as bad as that was from a larger standpoint, because it, I almost lost my hand, um, I had another 24, 25 holes in me. I got hit four or five times in the chest. Wow. In the neck, face, um, up and down both arms and legs. Uh, and I, I, I actually, I think I still have somewhere between eight and, or between 18 and 23 pieces of metal still in me. That's insane. It reminds me of Roy Benavides. I don't know if you know who Roy Benavides is. He's a Medal of Honor uh, recipient uh, out of Vietnam, 1968. Uh, he lived through his experience, six-hour battle, and he had more than, well, more than 100 uh, wounds from shrapnel, gunfire, knives. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he, it was an insane thing. So you just reminded me of him. Uh, but God bless you, Mark. Uh, Mark Oz Geist. Uh, Incredible uh, testimony. Thank you for your time today. Many of our audience in the in the chat are saying thank you for your service. They really are grateful to you and to the others who have served our country and just, and uh, sacrificed so much. But uh, God bless you and God love you. I want to encourage everybody to check out the website, shadowwarriorsproject.org. Uh, or you can go to Mark's website, which is markgeist.com. But Mark, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. We're grateful for your time. You too. God bless. Thank you. All right. Thank everybody out there. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. We are very grateful for everybody who uh, participated. And again, we're going to take this conversation. We'll probably email it to the CDT Insiders so you can have also access to it first. And then we'll play this uh, during one of our radio hours, uh, I don't know, coming up probably in the next couple of days. So take a, a, an opportunity to uh, give God praise that we had an opportunity to have such great conversation today. Joseph Pierce, Mark Geis, plus we're doing the giveaway tonight. CDT Insider emails are going to go out tonight with the instructions on how you could possibly win a four free downloads of the uh, of the narrated uh, Fellowship of the Rings by Andy Serkis. Uh, so it's going to be fun. So make sure you're on the email list. Go to our website grnonline.com forward slash CDT or just pull out your cell phone